1: Strange. 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 Is that strange? That is strange.
0: strange.
1: That is, strange. Well, that is strange. This is strange. strange.
2: And welcome to another episode of Strange sauna everybody. Today is going to be a steamer of an episode, and boy, oh boy, kind of concerning here. We're going to be talking about a clip from The Alex Jones Show with Dr. Richard Bartlett and John Fleetwood. John Fleetwood is an author, publisher. He does a substack that's uh, thoroughly vetted, thoroughly sourced. So we're going to be looking through this clip where they joined the show, they joined The Alex Jones Show, and they talk about how the Denver Hospital, it was... Uh, Denver Health received doses of the live Ebola vaccine in preparation for an Ebola outbreak. Now, this was kind of uh, you know unheard of because it's like, why are we giving this Ebola vaccine out? Not only that, but this Ebola vaccine has been related to several outbreaks. So after they give these doses in these trials over in Africa or in these impoverished nations you tend to have outbreaks that follow that. So we're going to be looking through several of John Fleetwood's Substack articles. We're going to look at this clip. Without further ado, let's get steamy, everybody. Okay, so first I want to start off with this clip from Alex Jones. We're going to be stopping it intermittently here and there. So let's check this out right now.
1: Denver Health paramedics, doctors, and nurses have just been vaccinated with a live Ebola vaccine. Never before have we had uh, anyone in Denver, Colorado, or in Colorado at all vaccinated for Ebola. So this is history-making. Two months ago, why would they be doing that? They said they're doing it in uh, preparation for a potential Ebola outbreak. Why would they be thinking that's possible? Well, there's a lab being created uh, down the street from Denver uh, in Colorado Springs, where they're literally—it's advertising that they will be doing bat research. And it has been reported that they will be working with Ebola, Nipah virus, and COVID. So you actually have – this is actually infecting people with live Ebola virus. That's what the Irvibo vaccine is. It's live Ebola virus. That's what the Irvibo vaccine is. And so if you look at the FDA package insert, they're obligated to have package inserts, which we were – that was kept from the public with the COVID shots.
2: Now, this is very important, people. Listen to what he says about the package insert. I have the package insert pulled up. We can look at exactly what he's referring to. But he's going to be talking about shedding and how this vaccine sheds. And it has a very high shed rate, particularly in one study. Now, I do want to make that clear. It was only one study out of eight that had 31% shedding rate. Okay, so here we go.
1: But with Irvibo, the Ebola vaccine, you can look, anyone can Google or search uh, the Ervibo Ebola vaccine, which the Denver health uh, paramedics, nurses and doctors received. And it it will tell you there's a 31 percent shedding rate, meaning that they have live virus that could be transmitted to uh, their spouse, to a loved one to a neighbor, possibly to someone that they meet in the mall that does not know that they've been exposed to live Ebola virus. And so 31% in their package insert, the FDA package insert, that's the source of this information. I found that shocking. They admit that the reason they're, they're taking care of their first responders, paramedics, doctors, nurses at Denver Health, the uh, health care center in, the, in Colorado, Uh, for a future outbreak of Ebola. So why would they be thinking that? Maybe it has something to do with a lab that's being created right now that reportedly is going to be working with Ebola. And when you're doing genetic engineering on uh, Ebola, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, if it'll be more infectious, if it'll be – which that's what gain-of-function research is about, making it more contagious, more – more infectious, and also more deadly. It's genetic engineering.
2: So this is illegal. This is illegal behavior. Okay, so I'm going to stop it right there, and I want to bring it back home. So that was Dr. Richard Bartlett, and he's on the phone telling you, hey, do your research on this, because they gave the entire medical team, well, I should take that back. I don't know if it's the entire medical team, but the Denver Health medical team received this back in November, 2023, this Ebola vaccine. Um, what's it called? Erbova or something like that. Something like that. Um, Ervibo that's what it's called. Apologies. All right. So here um, I do have the news clip that reported that yes, indeed, the medical staff at Denver Health did receive this Ebola vaccine. All right. So take a watch here. Oh. Let's get the volume up. Okay.
1: Medical employees at Denver Health made history today. They became some of the first people to get the live Ebola vaccine for preventative measures. You've likely heard of Ebola, a rare but deadly disease. Back in 2014, there was a major outbreak in West Africa that did lead to some cases here in the United States. Night News reporter Jalisa Irizarry sharing with us why a medical team here in Colorado are some of the first to get the vaccine.
3: Go ahead and take her back to the room where we were set up. Yeah. Okay. So much of a hospital is procedural. Hello. But nothing is routine when the doctor is the patient. And we're like fun people, right? <laughs> Dr. Maria Frank oh <laughs> is eager today to take on something. Exciting. And even a little momentous. Historic. Yeah. Dr. Frank is getting the Ebola vaccine today. Right, a little talk. Denver Health says they're the first high-infection medical team to get it as a preventative measure. And there we are. They're one of 13 centers in the U.S. Right. that can care for Ebola patients. Just like that. Although right now the likelihood is low. And even though there's no current outbreaks happening in the world, we want to make sure that people have the chance to um, be protected in case we need to care for a patient that has a disease with a mortality potentially of 70%. In 2014, the largest Ebola epidemic started in West Africa. A few cases trickled into the United States. 11 people were treated. Just one person died. The FDA approved the first vaccine five years later. Ebola has a very high mortality rate, so it's exciting to be a part of this next step in treating this disease. Elizabeth Lenz is another recipient today. She's a Denver health paramedic little poke. that's also part of the high risk infection team. She helps transport highly infectious patients that need care at the treatment center. All right. Today, she can do that with a little peace of mind. It burns a little bit in the shoulder, but it's all right. <laughs> Knowing she's now protected. Exactly.
2: OK, so we all know how that goes, right? She's protected. So, um, yeah. Yeah. We all know that the big C little V jib jab did not protect you. It did not do anything of the sort. Now, I don't know if this Ebola vaccine works. I don't know if it works. I mean, I'm not going to say that it doesn't work, but I'm going to say, hey, um, let's look into why are they all of a sudden concerned that there's going to be an outbreak in Colorado Or at least, uh, why are they preparing for something like this? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we've never delivered this type of vaccine before, Ebola, in the United States. And this is the first time we're doing it. So, what I would like to do is go through John Fleetwood's substack, his first one, where he first reported on this 31% shed rate, all right? So, here, let me blow this up a little bit. Right on. So here is his stub or substack. Ebola vaccine that sheds onto infects others 31% of the time given to Colorado healthcare workers just down the road from the new Ebola bat lab. Yes, indeed. So in November of last year, Colorado healthcare workers at Denver Health received doses of the live Ebola vaccine. Hospital officials said that the regional emerging special pathogen treatment center team became some of the first to receive Merck's Ervebo Ebola jab for, quote, potential measures in case of a future outbreak. Now, it it just begs the question, where is this information coming from for this potential? And so here we go. Ervebo Ebola vaccines shedding problem. Okay. The US Food and Drug Administration package insert for Ervebo states that the vaccine sheds onto others 31.7% of the time and for up to 20 or up to 20 days after vaccination. This means that vaccinated individuals can spread the disease to those around them. And here is a quote from the actual insert. Quote, vaccine virus RNA has been detected in blood, saliva, urine, and fluid from skin vesicles of vaccinated individuals. The insert reads, quote, in study six, 31.7%, 19 out of 60 individuals of, part- well, 19 out of 60 participants, 12 months through 17 years of age, enrolled in a sub-study, shed vaccine virus in saliva following vaccination. So that's that just like highlighting the age range here, 12 months to 17 age. That is a gigantic window of an age to be enrolled in this sub study. But here is the actual packaging insert. Okay. This is the, the real deal um, downloaded from the FDA's website. Scrolling through here. I did notice some stuff about lactation. Human data are not available to assess the impact of Arevo on milk production, its presence in breast milk, or its effects on the breastfed child. Very important to note that. But here is the shedding area. All right. Now, I do want to read this in in total because you have to understand the entirety of what they're trying to say. And I know that um, Fleetwood over here. He's trying to point out the the big problem about shedding. Yes, the potential for shedding is an issue, but it doesn't look like it is a large-scale issue because they only point out this one study out of eight. All right? So right here, shedding of the vaccine virus into the urine or saliva was evaluated in 359 participants enrolled in eight clinical studies who were vaccinated with Ervebo or lower-dose formulations. Okay? So there's 359 people. Eight clinical studies. All right. We're, lo- we're going to look at all of those studies here, apparently, in this one paragraph. Vaccine virus RNA was detected by RT-PCR in the urine or saliva of some participants at time points ranging from day one through day 14 post-vaccination. Okay. Now, I want to bring it back home to this PCR test. Does it work or does it not? Are we trusting this? Are we saying that, yes, it can now detect viruses, or are we still on the train that this thing was never meant to detect viruses? Uh, Gary uh, Mollisk, the creator of the PCR test, said that you should never use a PCR test to identify or quantify virus, viral load. So what are we doing here? Are we trusting this? Are we taking this verbatim? Or I don't know. That was my first thing, right? Because this is a PCR test. Reverse transcriptase PCR. All right? So they were saying that vaccine virus RNA was detected by this thing that we don't know if we can trust or not in the urine or saliva of some participants at time points ranging from day one to day 14 after they got the vaccine. In the three studies that assessed shedding. okay, so I guess there were only three studies that assessed shedding or not. At day 28, no samples tested positive. So out of all three studies that looked at, does this thing shed or not? None of them found shedding after day 28, after they got the vaccine. In study six, which is confusing because it was talking about the eight studies up here, but then only three studies that assess shedding. In study six, 31.7%, this is 19 out of the 60 participants, shed vaccine virus in saliva following the vaccine. Viral shedding was the greatest on day seven and declined thereafter with no shedding detected after day 28. So the highest amount of shedding occurred approximately one week after they got this thing. Now this is a live virus. Now this is what the doctor was saying. This is not like the, the COVID jab because that was a synthetic RNA molecule that it was like a, it got into your body kind of, um, it was a gene therapy, right? It produced, it made your body produce this protein to uh, basically have it attack it, right? That's the spike protein. This one is actually a weakened live virus. So this one, if this does shed to somebody with a weakened immune system already, you're giving them the live virus. And if they have, a weakened immune system. What do you think they're going to like, do you think that the weakened immune system is going to attack the weakened virus? Or do you think the weakened virus is going to attack the weakened immune system? It's a, it's a coin flip at that point. So right here, finishing this off vaccine virus, RNA was detected by PT or RT PCR in vesicular fluid samples from some participants. In one participant, a sample collected 20 days after vaccination tested positive for vaccine virus RNA by the RT-PCR. So one participant, they took samples from this vesicular fluid. Now, when I hear that, I'm thinking like pus, like something on the skin. You know, like these little pus sacks that are filled with fluid. I could be wrong. Nonetheless... One participant had the, um, the vaccine virus 20 days after he got jabbed, or he or she. So that is that, uh, but I do want to go back to this guy's substack here, okay? So shedding. It is something to be concerned about, but it is just one study out of the three studies that assess shedding at, um, oh... Maybe I could be taking this wrong. Maybe this is in the three studies that assess shedding at day 28. Maybe there were eight studies that assessed shedding, but only three of them assessed shedding at day 28. I wonder why only three. What about the other five? Was it randomly selected? It doesn't say that they were randomly selected. Did they have results that they didn't want shown or that they didn't agree with? And so that's why they were excluded from this analysis. Don't know. This shedding problem could explain why Africa's 2016, 2018, 2020, 2021, 2022, Ebola outbreaks occurred after vaccination campaigns were carried out in those areas. We're going to go over that. Given the established record of Ebola outbreaks following earlier vaccination campaigns in the same regions, concerns are raised about future outbreaks in Colorado, Colorado. Situated in the central U.S. spreading across the country and perhaps the world. then he goes on, this is uh, Fleetwood's substack still. Goes on to talk about the Bat Lab, the Ebola Bat Lab just down the road from Denver Health Hospital. Meanwhile, a new $12 million U.S. taxpayer-funded lab is being built in Fort Collins, Colorado, just 65 miles north of Denver Health where healthcare workers received the Ebola vaccine in case of future outbreak. Yes, yes, yes. The lab will import bats from around the world and experiment on dangerous diseases according to the Daily Mail. Proposals for the 14,000 square foot facility indicate that the lab could store the study or store and study some of the most deadly and transmissible pathogens on the planet including Ebola, Nipah virus and COVID-19. The project is is a collaboration, get this, between Dr. Anthony Fauci's old department at the National Institutes of Health, NIH, Colorado State University, and EcoHealth Alliance. Remember them? Peter Daszak? They're sleeping with the animals. He literally said that that's how this COVID-19 came about. They slept with animals. People were sleeping in the barns. I remember that on NPR EcoHealth is the controversial New York based research group at the center of the covid lab leak theory led by Dr. Peter Daszak, who channeled millions of American taxpayer dollars to fund risky gain of function research on bats at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I don't know why he uh, he misspelled Wuhan here in Wuhan, uh, China. The WIV laboratory is argued to be the ground zero for the coronavirus pandemic. All right. Now, um, before I get into the next part of this, I want to look at this article that he points out in the Daily Mail. All right. So this is the Daily Mail article talking about the 12 million dollar taxpayer funded facility. Now, here is a map of it. Get the cursor off so you can kind of see here. So, well, I guess it doesn't matter. You have this Fort Collins right over here in this green highlighted area and the bat signal. Doesn't that look like the bat signal? We're getting all Matthew Perry up in here. Bats everywhere. And bats, think about it. Doja Cat had it on her back. She even made that Instagram post about bats signaling a transformation. You know, we're we're transforming into something new. It's a rebirth. That's our signal for rebirth, Batman, Matthew Perry. So here's Fort Collins. Sorry, that was a little tangent. This is where the base will be. Uh, this facility will be opened up. People are kind of pushing back about this, at least the residents in Foothills, um, in the Foothills campus in Fort Collins, near Fort Collins, city of Fort Collins. The facility is planned to open in spring 2025, It was originally supposed to begin construction in the summer of 2023, but that looks like it was delayed according to this infographic. But look how close this is to Colorado State University, where they received the jab for this Ebola thing, you know? So it's like, what are the odds that this Colorado State University main campus has the Denver Health location, Um, I believe that's where Denver Health, let me, let me confirm that. But essentially it's like, it's very close to where all of this is going to occur. Even if you have Denver Health kind of close to Colorado State University, Maine's campus, it's within the same vicinity of this bat lab, this new bat lab that will be studying Ebola in bats. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And I mean they even have this, they have all the blueprints for this. The building and all that stuff. So Yes indeedy. So yeah, but it's just like we're still having Eco Health Alliance getting funded right now by the NIH. Eco Health Alliance is still getting our money. It's just it's that's worth highlighting all on its own. Going back to John Fleetwood's substack here. This is his first one here. So we just talked about the new lab that's going in, but look, they're still going to push remdesivir for an Ebola treatment. Remember, remdesivir was Fauci's deep state drug that he pushed. The mortality rate, the ineffectiveness of remdesivir was proven. I mean, it just did not work for late stage COVID at least. Now, it looks like the same thing for this Ebola treatment. It's not very effective. This has a 53% mortality rate as an Ebola treatment. Amplifying these concerns, Red Hill Biopharma LTD, a specialty biopharmaceutical company headquartered in both Tel Aviv, Israel, and Raleigh, North Carolina, recently reported findings regarding its two new drugs for treating Ebola. Opaginib and RHB 107. Kind of sounds like a radio program, doesn't it? RHB 107. The development of the investigational drugs is funded by the US Army. Look at this people, the US Army is funding these investigational drugs. You know, and you could you can make an argument for that. You know, if there is an outbreak, you'd want um I mean, the first line of defense, you'd want the, the military to be able to roll that out to everybody. But, you know, the, the military also did fund research into COVID-19 as well. And so you're like, what are we doing here? We're funding all this research and then we're going to have what happened? Is there going to be an outbreak of Ebola and then a lot of money is made on the side? Who knows? Just speculation. The company claims that its two medicines ought to be combined with the nucleotide pro, uh, pro-drug remdesivir. However, while Ebola has a 50% death rate, those infected with Ebola die at a higher rate, exceeded 50%, after taking remdesivir. This is according to the New England Journal of Medicine, everybody. They confirm this, calling into question the drug's efficacy. Now, uh, Fleetwood has some images from this New England... Journal of Medicine article looking at the cumulative incidence of death overall. And those who take remdesivir, as opposed to, I'm thinking these are other drugs, um, because REGN, that's Regeneron. That's the um, antibody name for Regeneron. So that's the lowest, the green line here. But remdesivir, over 50%. Of people who took that after uh, 28 days, 50% death. Uh, Actually, it looks like it shoots up to 50% around day 8 to 10. Aye, -aye. But look, it it shows you low viral load and high viral load, okay? So if uh, you're a patient with high viral load, meaning you got a lot of this Ebola in you, and you take remdesivir, you're looking at a close to 90% death rate after 28 days and that's actually after 12 days because that's that last bump right there let's see if i can nope i can't zoom in any more than that uh, regeneron you know after 10 to 12 it looks like all of these drugs kind of peak around 10 to 12 days regeneron is even at 60 percent. so i mean if you have a high viral load of this you're more than likely not going to make it that sucks a um, low viral load, though. Look at this. If you have a low viral load, Regeneron looks like it can help 10% of the time, while Rendesivir, close to 30% of the time, you might die. So, this is all just one study here. I'm not saying everything is <laughs> absolute. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a freaking doctor. I'm not at anything. I'm just looking at the evidence. I'm looking at these papers from the New England Journal of Medicine and this Substack from John Fleetwood. So I do want to go into the incidents of outbreaks that happen after these vaccine campaigns. Now going to John Fleetwood again. He has another Substack article from December 2023. Same Bill Gates-backed live Ebola vaccine distributed before Africa's 2016, 2018, 2020, uh, 2021, 2022 outbreaks was just given to Colorado healthcare workers. US Army now developing Ebola vaccines. Mhm. All right. Now, he starts out with a brief history of this, which I think is important because you have to know who the players are, right? In 1999, German-American virologist Dr. Heinz Feldman was recruited to Canada's National Microbiology Laboratory. Dr. Feldman set out to study the pathogenic effects of the Ebola virus glycoprotein since 2008, he has served as the chief of the Laboratory of Virology at the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID. That's where Fauci's the, the head honcho of. Uh, Rocky Mountain Laboratories. And heads the disease modeling and, trans- and transmission section. So disease modeling is a whole nother subject because they're using AI to predict disease outbreaks. How scary is that? Hmm? Apologies, I have to take a sip. But yeah, they're using AI to tell you where to uh, potentially vaccine or give vaccinations to people because of these outbreaks that are coming. They even admitted that at the uh, WEF, Davos. In the same year, a biopharmalog- or biopharmaceutical company New Link Genetics originally known as Bioprotection Systems, Inc., was founded and headquarters in Ames, Iowa. Now, remember this, New Link Genetics. Okay, this is in 2008, the same year. New Link Genetics was founded and headquartered in Ames, Iowa. Bioprotection Systems worked to, quote, develop vaccine solutions to increase the United States' biodefense capabilities. This was according to a company overview. The intellectual property rights for the Ebola vaccine, which belong to the government of Canada, were licensed to New Link Genetics. Now, if you look at these little links that he provides. This VSV-EBOV is an Ebola vaccine discovered by researchers at the Public Health Agency of Canada's National Microbiology Laboratory. So this thing belongs to Canada. In 2001, the Public Health Agency of Canada's National Microbiology Laboratory began to work on developing a vaccine for Ebola. That same year, 2001, there were 59 reported cases of Ebola in the Republic of Congo. Uh Uh-oh. So, here they go. 13 years later, in September 2014, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation announced that it would commit $50 million dollars quote, to support the scale up of emergency efforts to contain the Ebola outbreak in Western Africa and interrupt transmission of the virus. But the Gates Foundation, which funds Canada's National Microbiology Laboratory, has already, or had already, secured Dr. Peter Pyatt, who co-discovered the Ebola virus in Zaire, or Zaire, Zaire? in 1976 as a senior fellow in 2009. So all these players are coming together here. You have Bill and Melinda Gates. They brought this guy in um, as this uh, senior fellow, this Peter Pyatt. He's coming in to work on this Ebola vaccine, the Ebola virus. Uh, The Gates Foundation is committed $50 million to securing Uh, ramping up the scale-up emergency efforts. That means manufacturing vaccines, manufacturing um, different processes and funding places to create preventative measures, and those are typically vaccines. On November 24th, 2014, NewLink announced its collaboration with pharmaceutical giant Merck to, quote, produce mass quantities and to complete clinical trials for the vaccine. The Gates Foundation directly funds research regarding Merck's Ebola vaccine called Ev- Ervebovu or er- Ervibo, sorry. Here's the Ervibo um, vaccine. It's it's known as little R V S V Z E B O V. I I believe that was the first one mentioned on this Substack here. <clears throat> but Erv Ervibo is the name of the the vaccine. Um, and here is the proof that, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates fund this. It's down at the bottom here. This is a, I should say, this is a study from the National Library of Medicine, NIH. This was conducted in 2022, February. Or at least that's when this was published. This was Ebola vaccination in exposed and potentially exposed persons in the Republic of Congo, And down at the bottom, it says this work was supported by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation under grant OPP 1195609. So feel free to look that up. Now, check out the timelines here, because that's what I was wondering. I was like, I wonder if there is a correlation between outbreaks of diseases and the vaccination campaigns. And this guy puts it together and he says, yes, there's some evidence that this was, there is, there is this correlation here. There's a trend. First Ebola outbreak following the campaign or the vaccine campaign. So the the same year, Canada offered 800 doses of the Ebola vaccine to the World Health Organization, which oversaw studies in countries struggling with the virus. During those studies, which took place from November 17th, 2014 through January 19th, 2015. A total of 150 participants, many of whom coming from the African countries of, uh, oh boy, I'm going to mess up this uh, pronunciation, Lambarini, Lambarene, Gabon, and Khalifi, Kenya, received three doses of the Ebola vaccine as explained in the New England Journal of Medicine publication. One ABC News report claimed that that more than 3500 people were vaccinated with VSV in 2015. VSV is the verbibo uh, or, or vivo. sorry, I keep messing that up. As part of a large trial at the end of the Ebola outbreak in Guinea. By June 2016, just months after the vaccine campaign, more than 10,000 people had died from Ebola throughout the va- or throughout Africa. Many of those deaths occurring north of Gabon in Guinea, Sierra Leone, and Liberia. So the argument is, if they were vaccinated, why was there another outbreak? Why did the outbreak, why were there more people dying? You know, it should have been less people spreading. It shouldn't have spread that much, but they noticed that more than 10,000 people had died from Ebola after this campaign. So the second Ebola outbreak following cam, uh, vaccine campaign. Then in May two thousand eighteen, the WHO and Merck approved sending more than seventy five hundred doses of the experimental—that's in quotes—Ebola vaccine to the Democratic Republic of Congo, which borders Gabon, promising another eight thousand in the coming days. Now he uh, quotes experimental because that is what the Guardian says. This is a a, a quote or a link to the Guardian article. DRC, experimental Ebola vaccine, to be administered in Mbandaka. This came out in May of 2018. That's when this article came out. So just three months later, after the vaccine campaign in August 2018, Congo suffered another outbreak in which 2,000 of 3,000 people affected died in the same months the gates foundation announced it had partnered or partnered with and provided two million dollars to the who to quote accelerate the organization's ebola response that means mass production of these vaccines The third Ebola outbreak following vaccine campaign in May 2019, the Congo government expanded its use of the experimental Ebola vaccine that more than 110,000 have already received. This was reported by science.org. In November of that same year, the Ebola vaccine was approved in Europe. By December, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, approved Merck's Ervebo vaccine, quote, for the prevention of disease caused by Zaire Ebola virus in individuals 12 months of age and older. In the same month, Reuters reported that the Gates Foundation Gavi Initiative, which promotes vaccine uh, use worldwide, would bulk buy 500 doses of the vaccine for stockpiling Now, remember, Gavi is the worldwide effort to bring all of the countries together and have one standardized way of handling something. And so it's like all of the vaccine information goes through Gavi. They all share the same information. So it's like this uh, globalist kind of program. I believe Trump got us out of Gavi. I believe he did. I could be wrong there. But just because Trump says something, it doesn't mean that other people aren't participating in it behind his back. Who knows? The following year in February 2020, Congo licensed Merck or Ebola vaccine. The licensing meant, quote, that the manufacturer can stockpile and widely distribute this vaccine to African countries at risk of Ebola virus disease outbreaks, according to the WHO press release. Once licensed doses are available, use of the vaccine will not require clinical trial or other research protocols. Did you hear that? Once licensed doses are available, use of the vaccine will not require clinical trial or other research protocols. Now, that's a quote. So I'm going to open up this World Health Organization here. And I'm going to see if I can find that. Let's see here. Yeah, it's right here. Right in the uh, World Health Organization um, press release here. February 2020, four countries in the African region license vaccine in milestone for Ebola prevention. Here, I'll make this a little bit bigger so you guys can read it. The licensing of the vaccine means that the manufacturer can stockpile... Once licensed doses are available, the use of the vaccine will not require clinical trial or other research protocols. I wonder why. Hmm. Who accelerated the licensing and rollout of the Ebola vaccine by certifying that it met the organization's standard for for quality, safety, and efficacy in its fastest vaccine pre-qualification process ever, announced in November 2019? the speed in which this has been achieved has been made possible by a different approach where national licensing procedures were done in parallel based on one single scientific review process. Usually these processes are done one by one, which can take years. The process was led by who with the participation of African vaccine regulatory forum, uh, blah, blah, blah. blah, And then the European uh, medicines agency and Merck. So it's like, Merck was even involved in that. So like it helps Merck make more money. So of course they're gonna be involved in that. Boy oh boy, that's just, that's shocking. In the same month, the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, which is also funded uh, here, 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 Okay. So he has links to the funding of uh, CDC by the Gates foundation confirmed that 16,000 healthcare workers had received preemptive Ebola vaccines in countries bordering Congo in March, 2020, the CDC advisory committee on immunization practices moved to recommend the Ebola vaccine for us health workers in Congo. Then in June, just months after the vaccine campaign, Congo's Ministry of Health declared another Ebola outbreak. mm mm -mm. There it is. The outbreak has begun again. The fourth one, uh, these these should go by quicker here. So, I mean, I'm just going to kind of go through them real quick. November 2020, the WHO declared that the responders in Congo had vaccinated more than 40,000 people by February 2021, yet another Ebola outbreak happened in the Congo. March 2021, we had Gavi, this one Gavi publication predicted Ebola would represent the next pandemic. Ebola has so far only affected Ameri- or African countries and occasionally cases outside of the continent have been rapidly contained, the publication read, but the virus could mutate to spread more easily between people, making it more of a pandemic threat. It could mutate. How could it mutate? By genetically modifying it. How do you do that? You build a lab with U.S. taxpayer money. That's exactly how you do that. You you mutate it so that way it can spread more easily between people. 50 Ebola outbreak following the vaccine campaign. In February 2022, the CDC recommended vaccination with Irvibo. For adults aged 18 or older of the U.S. population who are at high risk for potential occupation exposure to Ebola virus. By March 2022, hundreds more citizens in Congo had been vaccinated as part of the study published in the British Medical Journal. The very next month, in April, Congo's health ministry declared another Ebola outbreak. Are you seeing the trend here, people? The more they administer, the more outbreaks they have. It's just, uh, I mean, it could be something else. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that it is this, but it is very fishy that this isn't helping. The vaccine's clearly not helping. FDA approves Ebola vaccine for children in the US and Europe. Oh boy. Everybody watch out for this one. This just happened in August, 2023. The FDA approved Merck's Ebola vaccine, or, or Vibo, for use in children as young as 12 months old. The European Commission followed suit the very next month, September, approving, quote, an expanded indication for Ervibo for active immunization of individuals one year of age or older to protect against the Ebola virus disease. Who and the Gates, who and Gates double down on Ebola in October 2023? Months ago, just months ago, people. Who, Director General Tedros uh, Gabriels, I don't know, announced that the agency's receipt of, quote, new funding from the Gates Foundation for its Ebola response efforts. Now, in November 2023, you just had the Colorado healthcare workers receive that live Ebola vaccine. All right. So, you're seeing this trend of Congo vaccination campaign Outbreak, vaccination campaign, outbreak, vaccine, outbreak, vaccine, outbreak. We just delivered the vaccine here in the United States. What does that lead you to believe is going to happen next? Outbreak, correct? So I'm just saying, when you hear this, even though you hear this on InfoWars, you hear this with Alex Jones, you're thinking, "Uh, can I trust Alex Jones? Can I trust InfoWars? I don't know. That's up for you to decide. I'm looking at this going like, Dango, they just administered the Ebola vaccine in the United States, the center of the United States, Colorado, to where it does shed. (laughs) They admitted in one of the studies that was analyzing if shedding occurred, they found that 31%, 16 out of 90 people, that is quite high. Okay, okay. Now, if you're thinking about this, those who have taken multiple jib jabs of the big C jab have been noted to have weakened immune systems. That has been a thing. I'm not saying that everybody has a weak immune system after they receive one dose, two dose, but those who have had multiple boosters, those who have had a string of complications in family history of diseases, they have weakened immune systems already. Their, their systems are weakened. What happens when you introduce the Ebola virus to those people? I mean, I can guess all day long with what I think would happen, but you guys tell me what you think will happen. So I just wanted to, to do a quick episode on this, revise what I'm seeing here, look at this, the concerns, because this is very concerning to me. Um, If we see any outbreaks of Ebola, that is very, very high death rate. So you do not want to have Ebola in your country at all. And you do not want to have this Bill Gates-backed, NIH-funded product be your only savior of this. You don't. I mean, that's not a good look, especially after what we just went through. Alrighty, so hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you do, like, follow, share, subscribe, download on Apple and Spotify, do all the good stuff to promote the show. And yeah, love you guys. And leave a comment if you guys want to contact me. Strange Sana, get on TikTok. Do a lot of videos on there. So, alrighty, till next time, everybody, stay steamy.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app.